Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he sent Nick Fury to voicemail. It's Arturo Zurita. That makes absolutely no sense in the trailer, and I think you said we are going to be talking about the trailer in a little bit. We will uh, be. Sadly, our original selves couldn't be here. This is the multiverse versions of ourselves, which may have angered a couple of fans, but... I'm excited to be here, Zach. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a brand new... I mean, you have a brand new environment right now, which I don't know if you want to talk about that this week or was the next week. I don't know when the movie comes I, out. I mentioned it last week, but I don't know if that's going to stay in the final cut. I'm, I'm at my parents' place taking yeah. care of the dog. He's got a whole story. I think we'll save it for next week. We'll save it for next yeah, week, but yeah. he's got a whole entire crazy story that should be added to the dog cinematic universe that's coming out with A Long Way Home and whatever the other ones are. Uh, Dog's Journey. Yeah. Two dog movies in one year. Zach, yep. I guess, is living in real life. He's got the RPG going, the ARG going on at the moment. But uh, yeah, you have a new place. I'm gonna have a completely new spot in two weeks. So a lot of big changes happening here. A lot, a lot of goodbyes in our uh, in our world of media, and I guess in our real world too. Yeah, we're closing the book on one chapter and opening up a new one on this week's Intercut. In a little bit, we'll talk about the Con Film Festival, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Game of Thrones. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video feed on youtube.com slash intercutpod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at IntercutPod. That's at Intercut, P-O-D. That's short for podcast. Art, let's start the show the way we start it every week with what we're watching. What you been watching, buddy? I got two things right here. Uh, three things, actually. And they're all my recommendations of the week. So I'm going to start at the beginning at the end. I am Iron Man. I am Iron Man. My first one is uh, Anthony Jesuknik's new comedy special. I've been watching a lot of comedy on Netflix. It's been my go-to to just be able to like listen to it, especially because I've been on the road a lot. You Have you listened to Anthony Jesuknik? I have. I haven't heard the new one. The new one's on Netflix, right? First and foremost, are you a fan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's... Okay. Uh, he, he's got devastating one-liners. Insane. Yeah. Crazy, to put it. Uh, the new one is called Fire at the Maternity Ward. Alina actually got me tickets. We went to go see this one live. And he's got Very a whole cool. video out there. It was really interesting about his set, Joke List, and how some jokes work in certain places. And how when we saw him on May 11th, half those jo- like a quarter of those jokes got cut out to when he finally had the cameras for Netflix uh, when he filmed it in New York. So it's interesting to see how jokes change. It's interesting to see which ones last, which ones don't, which ones he wanted to keep. But I also think it, it depends where you say jokes. Like, there's more liberal jokes you can make up in the North than you do if you're, like, I don't know, in Alabama or in Texas. So I was, that's kind of interesting to see the behind the scenes of how a comedian works. In yeah, terms you of know your crowd. Yeah, and the craft. Just seeing how the craft works is, is super intriguing. But if you've never seen an Anthony Jeselnik show, I think just watch the, the newest one. Just watch the first joke that he does. He literally will tell you when that joke ends. And he tells you, you're either in here or you're not. I apologize in advance if it's not for you. Uh, You're welcome if it is. He's one of my favorite comedians out there. He is, I would say, in the same level of Dave Chappelle. Not worldwide known, but in terms of craft. Dave Chappelle and Anthony Jeselnik come out and are not making jokes just to make you laugh. They are so good at their craft. They're having fun. They're putting obstacles. Like, remember when Dave Chappelle's like, here's my punchline. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I really don't know how I'm going to get there. I'm doing this live. That's how good I am at what I'm doing. He does the same thing. 
Yeah, when when a comic, a stand-up comic is particularly great, I think what you see is they kind of abandon the traditional setup joke, setup joke format and mm-hmm. kind of get more fun from from seeing where they can push the audience and where yes. they can push the show. He like, shops. Can I say the same joke for 15 minutes and the ending? Yep. So it, I think you know. People like Dave Chappelle, people like Anthony Jeselnik, it, it's it's fun to see them working because they are the masters of their mm-hmm. craft. Dave Chappelle, uh, uh, coincidentally enough, won the, or was awarded the Mark Twain Award. I think I nominated. I'm not sure what it was. Okay. Or maybe he did win it. That's still insane in and of itself. Yeah. It's crazy. So I definitely recommend Anthony Jeselnik's, uh, both of his stand-ups. You can even listen to them on Spotify and uh, uh, Apple Music, iTunes. Like They're there to stream, which is really cool. But watch the newest one, just the beginning. I personally prefer the other one. He's got two on Netflix. I personally prefer the older one. Another show, and I feel you may have watched it. A little spin-off, Zach. An animated spin-off, Zach. Can you guess it? Tuka and Birdie? Have you watched it? I watched the first half of it at least, yeah. Well, I watched uh, the first half of the first episode. <laughs> no, no, it's like six episodes I think I've got through uh-huh. so far. Well, what do you think? Yeah. You, you talk okay. about it first. So you mentioned it as a spinoff. I don't know if I'd call it a spinoff. It's definitely I would call it like, a spinoff. It's set in a similar like visual world as BoJack Horseman. It's BoJack but- Horseman's world. But I, it, I don't think it has the same cynical edge that BoJack does. Because it's not and, BoJack. And think, We're not following BoJack. Well, yeah, it, that's a good point. I just don't think we're going to see BoJack and Tuca cross paths. Oh, I wouldn't want them to. If they do, that would be cool, though. But I, I wouldn't <laughs> want them at all. It's kind of like a, an MCU type of thing where an Iron Man movie feels completely different to a Guardians of the Galaxy type movie. Yeah, uh, I'm willing to go with, go with you there. What uh, do you think? So, yeah, I, I think it's really fun. You know, I think it's got a, a really... Uh, quirky edge to the humor. Uh, this is from Lisa Hanawalt. So she is the person who's in charge of the artistic design on BoJack Horseman. Okay. But she's not one of the writers of BoJack Horseman. Um, so it does sort of have a, a different perspective. And beca- I think because she comes from a more artistic background, uh, the show is more visually uh, inventive. It, yeah. It's... Const- the backgrounds are constantly changing. Sometimes the animation styles are changing. It feels like an artist's show. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I really love about it is just how much they pack into the different frames, uh, all the little jokes that are in it. It's A lot of the subtlety that we really love seeing in the background of BoJack Horseman, I think, is more emphasized yeah. in this show. And then I think it has a really fun dynamic. The uh, main characters are voiced by uh, Tiffany Haddish and Ali, Ali Wong, two comedians that I think are particularly hysterical. And they're fun riffing off of one another. I, I don't know if I appreciate it quite on the same level as BoJack Horseman, but it does touch on some real-world things. It and does. I think its depiction of like the social anxiety that, to, that uh, Birdie has is particularly well done. So I'm enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. I also like uh, Steven Yoon's in there. He plays the uh, boyfriend. Yeah. And yeah. I love how... Uh, so which one's Tuka, which one's Birdie? Because I, I haven't seen uh, that Tiffany much. Tiffany Haddish, the toucan, is Tuka. Birdie yeah. uh, is technically an Asian bird. <laughs> like, I was laughing at the first episode when they're talking about the sugar bowl. And it's yeah. like, I don't know, that's our traditions. And, like, they just don't say Asian. They say because of their... Because they're... Uh, uh, what is she? Is she a bird? So they're both birds, She's no? a song thrush. I think he's a... Robin or something? I don't know my species like that. But the way that they're able to build the world, I, I love the fact that the whole thing of it being Tuka and Birdie, again, if we're going through the 
Endgame, Game of Thrones, Toy Story. I've mentioned some movies that I've seen at South by, as well as Sundance. That tw- like, so I thought maybe it's just me because I'm moving on to something mm-hmm. else. And then we were looking back and I was like, no, 2018 had no endings. Not in 2017. Not in 20. 20- <laughs> 2019 has Endgame and and all these other things. It has Skywalker uh, later this year. Skywalker to to even for another one very similar to this of two female friends. Broad City ended this year. Yeah, yeah. So seeing this, the story of what happens afterwards, what happens when two friends who have lived together for so long and have been together for so long realize we are on a completely different ends. Did you ever see Someone's Great? (laughs) The utterly depressing (laughs) nine-year relationship movie where they break up. Um, I decided against it for now, but I want to. I've heard it's good. That's all 2019 is. Either yeah. they knew I'm in a new chapter of my life, or just everyone decided to do it in 2019. Or I guess I've been living along the same pathway as Hollywood has been wanting me to. Uh, I think that's the most interesting aspect of Tuca and Birdie. Things like, when are you going to take your box? That's okay. Right. Leave your box. And I was like, I'm in the midst of seeing if I'm going to leave anything behind. <laughs> so, yeah. I, again, I'm only, I finished, I think, the first episode. I got a little bit into the second one. But, okay, cool. Uh, I figured you would have been very excited because I know that um, creator Bojack has been pushing it a lot. Uh, yep. Maybe a little too much on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> insulting people who don't like it. But yeah. I do think it's a very interesting show. And after a while, I was like, this is very quirky. Then some of the jokes were pretty hitting. It had some of the same yeah. type of, like you said, artistic humor where it's like, oh, I'm going to rewind that <laughs> a little bit. So that yeah, was pretty I exciting. found that I was chuckling at it a lot, and then I would be surprised by, like, an actual belly laugh. Like, yes. I, I thought I was only enjoying it, and then I was really Yeah, and then it. they hit you with one, yeah, out of nowhere, because yeah. you're just like, this is kind of very a very hipsterish joke. They're yeah. really go, and then they say something. It's like, okay, that's not right. That's funny. That's really yeah, good. Yeah. My final one, and I'm not going to talk about it now because I'm going to talk about it later. All I'm going to say is this, okay. is, the, this is the best show on Netflix. If if they said we'll delay the ending of Game of Thrones to give you season two of this, you delay it, delay it until next year. I say that one because Game of Thrones. <laughs> two, because Dead to Me is a show I have seen twice. About to watch wow. it three times through already. Just watch it. It is the best. I, I'll put it to you this way: Who gave the best? Who gave the best performance of uh, an actress last year? You know it. Just say it. Uh, Tony Collette. One hundred percent. Those are facts. Yes. You're just speaking the truth. No one's yes. giving a better performance than these two this year, specifically Christina Applegate. That's all I'm gonna say. Wow, That's all I'm gonna say. Wow. That's all I'm gonna say. All I'm gonna say is that anyone who watched the show after I mentioned it in my live stream, personal friends, right? I was like, "Hey, just finished the show. They tagged me on Facebook. They like, just saw it in your live stream." I was like, "I didn't even know you'll watch my live stream." <laughs> And other people have tweeted it to me on uh, Twitter, duh. And they said, it's like, yo, he's not lying. The show is great. So, so far, my recommendation, even if you don't love it as much as I do, it's another searching type of effect where there's no way you don't appreciate it. But I can guarantee you there's a lot more under the surface. Rewatch it again and you're going to go, oh, oh, they're going for the best acting of the year. Movies and or otherwise. You haven't seen it, have you? I have not seen it yet. I'm very intrigued by it. Uh, I let me tell. Let me let, let, let me tell you something time. right here. Whenever he recommends something to me, he gets so upset. You just don't listen to me. So then he stops recommending things to me, right? But he was like, "Oh, you didn't watch Atlanta until later. Oh, what was it Barry? Because I haven't caught up on Barry yet." He gets so upset. But okay. when I say "Watch Dead to Me," this man takes his sweet time. To... I think we're going through a divorce. I think there's a lot of changes happening. I I promise I will get around to. Uh watching we the animals at some point uh, <laughs> uh as for the things that i've been watching uh, Rebecca was still going on since the oh time just the, ended yeah just ended 
yeah, the time we recorded the last podcast until now. So I was able to catch a couple more movies. Uh, one of the movies I caught was Scheme Birds. Uh, it sounded like a narrative, and it looks kind of like a narrative, but it's a documentary. Oh, uh, they got you. Had, it's, it kind of, in that respect, like, and, and also in the subject matter, echoed uh, Minding the Gap a little for me. This is a story that takes place in like a steel town in Scotland and follows a teenage girl named Gemma. And near the beginning of the movie, she says everyone around here either ends up in prison or knocked up. Hmm. Uh, And you see as many of the people around her end up in prison or knocked up. It's a really uh, beautifully shot and, and subtly structured story of youth growing into adulthood. So I appreciated that a lot. I, I like the way that it was put together. I really appreciate a, uh, a kind of like cinema verite restrained approach to documentary filmmaking when they, when they don't have uh, overt explanations. Yeah. They do a technique in here where there are interviews, but instead of them being talking head interviews, all the audio is played over footage of or B-roll that. footage. I love that. And it, it's just much more effective yeah. to me. You you uh, said so, you said the phrase mining the gap, one of your favorite if not if I'm not mistaken favorite movie of last year. I did. Uh yeah, and that's that was my favorite documentary of last year. It, this is not on that okay. level. Just I think it sure. had echoes of it, okay. although it ended up picking up a Best Documentary Award here at Tribeca. Sick. So, uh, a lot of people were fans of Scheme Birds. It's worth keeping on your radar. Another movie worth keeping on your radar, uh, if only because I feel like it's primed to be remade by an American audience, is a film called Amis. This is a movie out of India, and it begins as a very restrained romance between a doctor and a student who uh, go out and eat different meat dishes together, and then it becomes a little bit twisted and to give any more away I think would be unfair but uh, at the very least I'll say this is primed to be a midnight section movie at Sundance or Toronto or what's something it called like that Amis it's A-A-M-I-S I think the American title is Ravening uh, but this sounds yeah, interesting the, yeah I, yeah ra- Ravening Ravening whatever it is yeah I was flesh eating romance in- I was not enjoying it for the first maybe 45 minutes. And then it goes crazy. It started to give me Phantom Thread vibes. Shut up. Hey, shut your face. I'm uh, don't don't get too excited. Then don't, don't say Phantom excited. Thread. That's like <laughs> if I were to say the word whiplash and then someone sees it is like this is nowhere near whiplash. I was like, "Oh, yeah, you're right. I was just saying those words." <laughs> no. Phantom Thread, whiplash, those are like trigger words that you can't just like I know, but but Think about it when you end up catching Amis, whenever that is available. Okay. Uh, I'll make sure to keep you aware of it as I hear updates about yeah. the movie. Interesting. Uh, so those are the things that I saw recently out of Tribeca. Let us know what you've been watching in the comments down below or emailing us at intercutpod at gmail.com. We move on to yay or nay, where we're going to break down the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with... The trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home was mm-hmm. released on Monday, and it contains massive Endgame spoilers. Despite appearing online just 11 days after the release of Endgame, the new trailer explicitly reveals a major character death. Art, 
yay or nay, you don't mind that Spider-Man's new trailer assumes you've already seen Endgame. I don't at all. Do you think it's fair game? I mean, the director, the Russo brothers, said it's fair game. So you know, like, if you're looking at grass and someone goes, he's like, oh, look, it's very blue today. You're just like... You do know your colors, right? <laughs> Why shouldn't they? Well, I think the the idea is that not everybody has seen Endgame yet, even though it has made oodles and oodles of money. So that's what I'm getting at. We always hear some people haven't seen it. Like, give me the scenario. And don't get me wrong, I am 100% aware that there are scenarios. But I hate, and you know this too, I don't want to get too political, but when we talk politics-style talking... We always yeah. come up with the, well, what about this? It's like, wow. So we're talking about like 99% of the population. You're bringing up the 1% variable. I get that there's those variables. There's like people yeah. out like in the army who can't see it or whatever. I understand that. Those people are probably also not watching this trailer because they're right, in right. the army. I have, yeah. we talked about this last week. Some people complaining about like, why is this on Twitter? Now I got to get off Twitter. It's like, well, why haven't you seen the movie? Well, because I have things to do. Then why are you on Twitter? It's yeah. one of those things where I just kind of hear, I get the side of people who haven't seen the movie. I don't understand why you haven't seen the movie, if it means that much to you. If you didn't care for right. it, I know those people don't care for it. But there are some people who are like, I can't believe people are talking about spoilers because I haven't seen it. You guys are ridiculous. And all I'm hearing is, you want the entirety of the world to stop their energy, fun, entertainment, and for us, work, because you haven't seen the movie? <laughs> now, yeah, I mean... <sighs> I don't know. I, I, it, that that is totally that that makes sense to me. I agree with you that I don't really mind that the trailer spoils it. Partially because it's not the only trailer out there. They have and another trailer. They have another trailer with no spoilers, and there's a warning that comes out. I guess ours is a little different because anytime someone clicks on an explain video and they go, "What I haven't seen the movie," I'm like, "Well, that's that's on you." Like Twitter's a little bit different when someone just says Iron Man dies. Auto plays. But but like for me, it's like you have to purposely click our videos that are telling you that they're spoilers. Right. Uh, and at that point. You you really are ridiculous. Like people tell me, oh, I haven't seen it. Yet. I was like, so you have to wait until you. I don't know when you're gonna watch it, but right. more so, the trailer itself has Tom Holland, Mister Spoiler himself, coming out saying, if you haven't seen it, just know. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Marvel did a good enough job of warning people between the Russo brothers saying, oh, we're gonna open it up to spoilers on eleven days after the release, or but, it's. But the here's Tom where Holland here's where logic warning. needs to come in. Spider Man died. There's a movie right, called right. Spider-Man sequel. Yeah. There are spoilers in it. I mean, I think you've seen the Portlandia Well, that sketch. was another, that was a complaint back when the first trailers were coming out too. It's like, right. well, I guess we know that he lives in Endgame as if that was any kind of surprise. Yeah. There are some things where it's just like, whoa, well, no, I was like, well, what did you expect? Yo, sometimes we do watch rom-coms knowing he's going to get the girl. The, 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 that does not need to be subverted. What we're coming to see is how he's going to get the girl, how she's yeah. going to get the guy. Sometimes it's just like that. Don't be dumb yeah, being if like... If you care enough that spoilers bother you, you should be able to care enough to avoid yes, the but, spoilers. For the most part. Yeah. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule. There's exceptions. It did get me thinking about how funny it would be if this trailer did end up playing in front of Endgame for somebody who hadn't seen it. Yes, that would be funny. But they also curate those. Like, remember when the trailer yeah. for uh, Sausage Party played before a kid's movie? Yeah, yeah. It's like, that didn't work out well. Yeah. yeah. But I, what I'm saying is, you remember that Portlandia sketch? And I haven't binged all of Portlandia, but I remember seeing that when they have a specific sketch about spoilers. And they let them know that season five of Breaking Bad's coming out, and they get so upset. Yeah. They're like, yeah. what do you mean? So now I know he survives until season five. It's like, what do you... 
<laughs> like yeah. they didn't want to know about sequels because then the sequel meant when I got to watch the first movie knowing that they're going to live is like it's not even an action movie it's a romance like why would they <laughs> yeah but I didn't know maybe someone tragically dies and it's like okay okay you mean there's a before midnight that's insane wait till you hear <laughs> wait till you hear what else is coming out like no it's I don't know. I think it's a very interesting thing when it comes to spoilers. I think we touched upon it last week when we had said, uh, I've been in that position where to me, um, you'll get what I'm talking about. I'll keep it cryptic here. I watch Goodnight Mommy. I see the ending to Goodnight Mommy. And you know the ending to Goodnight Mommy? Yeah. I mention another movie, Fight Club. Mm. All of a sudden, that alone right there, someone has seen one or the other and now they feel the other movie has been spoiled. So now people can't talk in metaphors. Not like one's yeah. a movie from like 98. And the only good reasoning I've heard from that is one, if you're well over the age, I'm going to use the Sixth Sense rule, which is like, if you haven't seen Sixth Sense by now, you know what Sixth Sense is. You can't yeah. use the excuse. I, I was going to watch it at home. I was going to stop by Redbox and pick. No, it's not the case. But say you're me, sophomore year, high school. You, you just got the list off IMDb or whatever else. And you're in the midst of watching them. And you're watching the YouTuber who or, or film critic who inspired you, and then they just spoil Fight Club for you. And it's yeah. just like, well, I was just like just born. <laughs> like, I didn't right. get that chance. I, right. I, I mean, don't know. I, I, I get your point to me, and I'll make this last point before we move on. Uh, I feel like it, it's, it's the division between what's the story and what is culture. And a certain, at a certain point, a story becomes so big, it's part of culture. It's bigger I think than you. about. Uh, the way that dust, the the dusting, Thanos dusting, mm-hmm. became so like synonymous. It's uh, pretty big. And, and a, it's pretty big. It became like a big big thing and like a a term. You know, it, snap. You can't snap you anymore. To, you don't have to have seen Infinity War to necessarily to be a part of it. Have come across things like that. Bird you don't box. Have to have seen Star Wars to get like Luke, I am your father. Yep. It, it there sometimes culture is big enough and when you talk about Endgame and all the money it made and how big of a movie it is I just I think at a certain point like you have to be aware that it's just pervasive exactly anyway. I agree with you that's a perfect ending this year's Con Film Festival features new films from Jim Jarmusch Pedro Almodovar the Darnden brothers Xavier Dolan and more but in a late announcement Quentin Tarantino's upcoming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was added to the competition slate Art, yay or nay, the latest Tarantino movie is the film you're most excited to hear about from Khan. The Darden as in the Stranger Things guys? No, Darden as in uh, Two Days, One Night with Marion Cotillard. Oh. I forget what the brothers' names are from Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, what was the first one Duffer. you had mentioned? What were the big ones for you? Because I'm going to give I, my point as to why I think uh, they're putting Tarantinos at Khan's. Um, I mean, you know, we, we're both... Always curious about a Xavier Dolan movie, so I'm still curious to... No, 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 I'm done with Xavier. Where's his last movie, bro? I watched that at Tribeca. Everyone said, yo, this is too short. And he's like, well, I had it at five hours. I was like, well, you, you got to work something else with that. And he's like, all right, stop working on your next two films before you finish the other one, okay, Xavier? <laughs> you know he's got one before that one, too, that I don't know yeah. where... Stop. Man had mommy and he's like, I'm going to make 10 films and then just release them to film festivals nowhere else. <laughs> he's a prolific dude. Uh, I am a huge Darden Brothers fan, although I've heard some mixed things about their new one, even though I don't think anybody's really seen it. Uh, but I'll be curious to see what people say about it. <laughs> From who, the said, editor? <laughs> the editor's like, I don't know about this one. <laughs> uh, but the, th- the thing is, I think the Jim Jarmusch movie 
the oh, without it? a doubt, the dead don't die. Is that uh, what it's yes, called? Yes, I'm gonna just put it to you like this. Jim Jarmusch is one of the best directors out there in terms of yeah. literally directing behind the scenes. Here's a really quick. And you know this, right? Jim Jarmusch yeah. is one of the only directors who owns all of his movies. This man does that Pepsi Coke, that Pepsi Dell thing, where he tells the people from Dell, "Hey, give me money because I'm married to Coke's thing," and then they'll be like, "Oh, I didn't know you were married to uh, Mr. Coke's daughter." And then he goes over to Coke and he tells them, "Hey, so Dell just gave me a, a big sponsorship. You got to give me money too." And they're like, "Well, if Dell trusts you, he does that with countries. He does that with the tax write-off stuff, and yeah. he's able to get funding through like he. This man's getting funding from Germany in order for them to get the." Exclusive rights to like stream the movie just a week early and he owns the film a lot of people don't realize this you know why directors are always complaining that they don't get their final cut why the idea of a director's cut even exists it's because producers who are giving you the money they have a say in what the finished product is going to be you are limited by budget by everything not Jim I love seeing a Jim yeah. movie because even if I'm not the biggest fan of it he got what he wanted up on screen the only limitations yeah, true are vision. himself he's Absolutely. really cool and read up on him yeah, uh, and he's a great filmmaker, and he's reuniting with Bill Murray. He's mm -hmm. reuniting with Adam Driver. Post looks it, crazy. It, it seems like a, I mean, it seems like it could be a hit movie. It it, it looks like a, a big film. blockbuster. Yeah, it's a weird step for him. But this I'm is really going to be the movie that Jim Jarmusch fans are going to be like, ugh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's he like, sold out. <laughs> he sold out. I was like, literally the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. Uh, so I would say maybe that one, but I am excited for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, at least. You know, I'm curious about it, and, and there's, I, I don't know if it's the movie that I will like the most or anything this year, but it's definitely something I want to see. He's trying to get the, um, uh, the House of Jack built buzz. I can guarantee you he's had a very violent ending to that. I've told you my theory of it, right? Uh... The Sharon Tate thing? He's going to Inglorious Bastards it. I'm pretty that, sure that's that seems... yeah, the same way he did that flip on there. The same way that Django technically is a flip. On on the on slavery, he's going to be doing the exact same thing here. I believe the addition yeah, a rewrite of, of history in a way. Yeah, the addition of having um, Bruce Lee and a bunch of the other characters there is that they are going to stop the Sharon Tate murders, Charlton Manson's murders, from happening, and they're going to kill him instead. A crazy type of thing like that. It's going to be uber violent. Contrast that to the other movie that I think I've mentioned to you, The Haunting of Sharon Tate. I just worked on, for the extremely yeah, wicked video. Yeah. I just worked on that. I hate that movie. That man had no permission whatsoever. But it's gonna be really funny considering that that's the route he was going for, and an alternate version where let's say she had survived. Horrible execution, horrible everything. But it's gonna be very interesting because I'm pretty sure that's what Tarantino's going for. And I think what he's aiming for is Tarantino has never had the internet. You know that, right? What was Tarantino's last yeah. movie? Was it not Django? But hateful eight, hateful eight, hateful eight. Yeah, yeah. Completely overshadowed by episode seven. Completely overshadowed by episode seven. Only articles I read on Hateful Eight was him complaining about not getting his screens. Yeah, and also, you know, just the increasing... Oh, and then Weinstein uh, happened, too. The, the increasing policing of movies and of uh, race politics and gender politics is all stuff that doesn't necessarily bode well for Quentin Tarantino. For Quentin Tarantino. But it, so it's going to be, be interesting really interesting. This is the yeah. first time we've had our, the internet as big as it is in a new Tarantino movie coming out. With something that's a real subject, I think putting it at cons, cons, cans, can, they cons. premiered the emoji movie. I don't respect them. The thing with them is that he knows if you want an audience, a film festival audience that's going to react, overreact in freaking suits and bow ties, cans. It's a business move. I think it's genius. I'm all for it. Yeah. 
The trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog landed with a thud as audiences got their first look at a newly redesigned Sonic. The beady-eyed, long-chested, awkwardly toothed new look was met with such intense backlash that the film's director, Jeff Fowler, took to Twitter to respond. He's dead. Fowler wrote, The message is loud and clear. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. Hashtag gotta fix fast. Art, yay no. or nay? No, you already Sonic know it's make- no. A Sonic makeover will help the Sonic the Hedgehog no. movie? And you know who it hurts. I'm not even going to say it. Who is it hurting, Zach? Filmmakers? The animators who are not going to be pushed. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's been the thing. Get, yeah. It, you know, can you fix fast? Fast. You know? It, no. It, it, it's, these things take time. They take time. I'm just thinking about the uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 when, when everyone consensually, from what I know, I, I can only speak from the reports, consensually overwork themselves like no one no hey zach who's complaining to us when we work super hard in an extra video and they go whoa don't push yourself who push because it's on us <laughs> no right one. you know red dead redemption being a part of an actual company when people were getting overworked it was like wow they're overworking you but they they were all game they're like no 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 no. we're gonna make a game that's gonna be played forever they were all into it they were working extra hard because they it wasn't so much about meeting a deadline but giving the best product possible you really think these animators are over here going like, oh man, Sonic. The Sonic I just want to make sure that Sonic I just want to make sure. Properly... You, you know what? You know what? Keep the check. I'm here to deliver the best. No. No. I, I don't know how many people's harder in it that are animators. Some animators animate to animate, to, to eat. Yeah. And now they're like, hey, you got to get back to the drawing board. I don't know that clause. I don't know. Like, as editors, we usually have a thing called corrections. You get a certain amount of corrections, and then you get, you charge more for whatever right. extra corrections there are. I, I don't, we don't ever really talk about, we talk about reshoots and how that's in uh, actors' contracts. We never really talk about like editors and animators and yeah. uh, graphic artists. And and it seems like a, in a or lot of cases, effects. we don't tend to hear from the animators until after the movie's released. I think about how it came out after Sausage Party was released that a lot of animators worked extra long hours on that. Yep. Uh, there were some, some people who complained about who got credit after the release of the Fantastic Mr. Fox, so okay. it, I think I don't know if it's something that we'll find out about until later on down the line, but it is something to maybe keep an eye on. Uh, as for me, I don't think it's necessarily going to help the movie, but it's at least it might keep it from being a complete pariah. I mean, he, they made like a memeable character, you know, like the 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 new face of Sonic. Is, is a meme. Yeah, instead of a film character. Conspiracy theory? Shoot. It's already been done. They've already... Oh, this is all for hype? Do you, do you know the lore of Sonic? You've heard the <laughs> studies about, like, autism and... You know, I don't want to get, like, too deep into it and stuff like that. Cause some, I have no idea what some of about. Some of it is borderline, like, just hoopla. But there's an idea that Sonic... Uh, specifically triggers and and I only I only bring it up only because when I worked at the school a lot of the kids who were into Sonic were kids with disabilities it was kids who were mostly on the spectrum uh, because I taught special ed so just not virtue signaling or anything as a lot of people always argue when we say something I'm saying as like someone who was in the field there's been studies about how Sonic reaches a whole like certain demographic so they're very on edge when it comes to this character because of like what he represents to them kind of like an anim- and certain animations for kids right like why are they so obsessed with peppa the pig i don't know but the people who made peppa the pig knew what they were doing that dumb shark song that's got a billion views on youtube right. they right. know what they were doing there was something that was done there right 
Yeah. I personally believe, just like a Starbucks cup we'll be talking about, these things are too big. There's a thing called test audiences. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a thing yeah. called test audiences. And I purposely feel like they, they put these things out there because we've learned now. And if you haven't learned, I don't know what to tell you. I've been saying this for a year. Do something negative. Not be- not terrible. Make a flub. Because all, all your all, great research, dope. But everyone, all press is good press. All good is good press type of thing. Yeah. Do you think anyone cares about that Starbucks cup that we're going to talk about a little bit? Nope. But it helps Starbucks. And it had more attention for the show because now people are going to watch the next show more diligently because they want to find the mistakes. Good luck. It was all a plan. I personally think that we'll get to that one, but I think the Sonic thing is the same thing. They knew they were going to get a huge reaction. They knew they knew this. They knew these are editors who are watching this stuff over and over and over, and they're getting paid so even more over and over and over again. Yeah. I think they've had this. Although you know, sometimes the more you look at a thing, the less you feel like you have a real idea of what it is don't get me wrong they could be complete and utter idiots too and they thought that was okay yo he looks like jim he's cgi and he looks like jim carrey in the grinch it looks like (laughs) he's wearing some like like you know how they sell clothes at menards (laughs) like imagine buying your clothes at menards you know when you put that thing on that's how it feels like your onesie from menards Mm -hmm. it was not made for a human body that's what that thing looks like it is ugly it's ugly Uh, Disney unveiled their release calendar for the upcoming Ah, films post-acquisition of Fox. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a rapid-fire Rough Cuts Disney release schedule edition, starting with three untitled Star Wars movies slated on the calendar for December 2022, 2024, and 2026. While it's unclear whether these films are part of the Ryan Johnson trilogy or the Benioff and Weiss trilogy, or something else entirely, what it does tell us is that the that following the Rise of Skywalker coming out later this year, Disney will take a three-year break from putting out Star Wars movies. Art, yay or nay, Disney is smart to wait until 2022 to continue Star Wars. Yes. And I think it's going to be really interesting to hear all those articles and stuff we hear about fatigue and all those things. I was like, you're getting two years. And two years? One year. Six months in our time period right now? Is a really long break. I don't yeah. make a video for a week and people go, "Where are you?" I was like, "What are you doing?" Some creators don't make stuff for a month for something as big as Marvel. And again, this all gets offset because we can't forget Disney Plus. My right. theory is, is the more that I look at these things here, I'm just looking at 2021. And and I get it. The indie ones don't come until the actual Later time is here. Line. Bob's Burgers. Ew. What I'm looking at yeah. here is that. Theaters are going to quickly, before we know it, we're going to be sitting here on this podcast talking about how we only go for big budget stuff. If you're doing an independent movie and your ego is so high that you're willing to risk so much money just because you want to see your movie in an AMC. Now, I get it. I know this is a Soul Spielberg talk. But that's Netflix. That, to me, all these things, someone's great. These are net, This is somewhere where Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, HBO is doing a much better job at being able to get your movie to reach more audiences as opposed to putting... Uh, and then Moonlight had the um, award circuit to go with it. But all these other independent movies who don't get the award circuit, they're wasting money in theaters. And I think that if we were to drop our ego... And don't get me wrong, because I would love to make an independent movie and see it in theaters. But I think yeah. in order to see it in theaters, that's where your IFCs and music boxes are going to come in. But more so, right. I don't think... Mus- uh, I first, I thought film festivals were dead. Like, the film festivals we've been going through recently, we hear that they're all already picked up and the movies are coming out right away. I think eventually mm-hmm. all these independent films are really going to be a place and film festivals are going to 
get really big because that's where you're going to want to see these movies that, one, are super special, but you may not be able to see in a theater. You want to catch Roma? You're going to have to go to TIFF or whatever your local film festival is. And I think it'd be an interesting way to market the movies. I think it's really cool as we followed Greener Grass from all of our different friends. We all Mm -hmm. saw them at Sundance. And then our boys saw them in Florida. I'm going to see them in Chicago. It's really interesting to to follow a movie that way as as it hits your city. Especially because back in the day, for movies at a film festival, unless you're reading the Tribune for the film section, you have no idea anything about it. But we're all following cans. Cons cannot um, can. right now. And once one of those movies hits a festival near us, like people are, are getting to know film festivals way more than people knew. Like I talk to people who know what Sundance is and they yeah. know nothing about movies. So uh, uh, there's my little offshoot where it looks from their calendar. They're going to rely on all their big movies being here and Disney plus being where you're going to get all those, uh, the queen of whatever. Remember that, that African movie with chess. Right, right, yeah. All those Disney stuff is going to go there. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's what this looks like to me first and foremost. In terms of it being the trilogies, I don't know. I really don't know what to do. Because we are supposed to be getting The Mandalorian on Disney Plus uh, sooner than 2022. But it won't be a new movie. I I think it's smart of Disney to wait a little bit. You can't uh, miss something unless it's gone, right? True. And the the way they've been putting Star Wars out, it's not... It doesn't feel novel. It doesn't feel overdue. And, and you want people to have a hunger for it. And yeah. I just don't know if that hunger is there right now. Why well, specifically so. say it more so for the blockbuster in and of itself? Uh, what a lot of people noted was they alternate between Avatar Disney. They don't double up. Now, they yeah. may they well, may when we get there. But they're, they're purposely going one Star Wars, right. 365 <laughs> Avatar, 365, and then the other one. So it's like yeah. they're saving really, really, really big movies for that. I mean, look at it. They have nothing for 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, other than those movies. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Disney also revealed that the James Cameron Avatar sequels would all be pushed back a year, beginning with the release of Avatar 2 on December 17th, 2021, and continuing every other year, like you mentioned, alternating with Star Wars, until Avatar 5 in December 2027. Art, Sam Worthington, who was 33 years old when the original Avatar came out, will be 51 years old by the time this series wraps. Yay or nay, Avatar 5 is a movie that actually will get made. Zach, will you have kids by 2027? (laughs) It's a lot of pressure, man. I mean, that's a lot of years. (laughs) Why do you plan so far ahead? Apparently James Cameron's ready to. I don't know what video I'm releasing this weekend. What do I know about 2027 Avatar 5? I don't know anything. That is wild, though. That's a crazy fact. But he may die. I mean, Zach, there may be an Avatar that brings him back. What are you talking about? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Go ahead. I'm I'm saying he's mad, James. Jimmy's mad. Jimmy is upset right now with what's happening in the box office. You don't think he's going to be doing something? Do you think he's directing all five? Has that been I think stated? he's supposed to. He's crazy. Relax. Uh, transform Michael Bay. Relax. Yeah. You do know that at some point he's not just gonna be making these Avatar movies as a, like a story. You do. That's that's not James Cameron. He's not making like he said. Let's make Aliens two to just like if Alien didn't ruin space for you, I'm a I'm gonna obliterate it. If 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 I'll be back. If um, Terminator didn't do it for you, Judgment Day did. Judgment Day. 
Was he the first to do that also? I think it was like him and Ernest goes to the whatever. The, the, the title being an actual like, not even Terminator oh. 2. It was like Judgment yeah, Day. I'm sure there was more before that, but I'm sure there were plays. But he's that a, were like he's that. he's the king when it comes to the subtitle. I'm curious to see if one Avatar is going to have subtitles, but I'm curious to see with all these sequels. There's no way he's not going to start doing things as we're seeing now. My theory, yo, what if Avatar Four has no actors? Well, what if know, he goes my, and it's a they might all be com- motion com- captured actors? No, 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 no. Just completely. He he is. Uh, we just talked about the movie, The Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He legitimately has, and that's his feat. He's le- legitimately able to make an entire I mean, movie. That, to me, that is one of the interesting challenges ahead for James Cameron, is that in 2009, Avatar was really like cutting edge, visually mm-hmm. uh, different, and just iconic in its look. I don't think it feels that way anymore. That's why and he's got to do something different. Yeah, he's he's got to evolve the technology, I think, in order to sustain that level of interest i also just don't know if there's going to be audience interest in four more avatar sequels i wouldn't be surprised if they the uh released avatar 2 and then are like oh maybe maybe cut it down to <laughs> oh divergent <laughs> yeah yeah when they said uh yeah so like divergent 4 it's going straight to tv and the whole cast was like that is not what we nah. signed up for i'm telling you right now my man's gonna he's gonna lose it he's gonna create ai he's gonna be making a movie and he's gonna create ai the man is gonna create skynet <laughs> he doesn't know the power he possesses. And lastly, Disney removed several Fox Marvel projects from the release calendar, including the Channing Tatum Gambit movie. Yay Finally? or nay, Channing Tatum would have been a good addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I would have been. I was curious. I was. Yeah, curious. I mean, I I kind of think he's got the right energy for it. But that was Fox's. Uh, yeah, that movie that movie had been in development for so long. I feel like I've been hearing rumors about it for almost ten years. Yeah, I remember looking at that that original poster that they had with the Fantastic Four and with the X Men and with them. Uh, him, he was in it. Not even a still of him had come out yet. But it's just really interesting how they're merging in Fox, considering we ju- just said this before the podcast. New Mutants. I just threw the poster away the other day. I had that thing. It was supposed to come out last year. Mm-hmm. Getting pushed now coming out in 2022, uh, 2020, April 3rd, 2020. I don't understand that. It's weird to me. But one of the biggest and, and most interesting things is a lot of the speculation when it comes to Endgame and when it comes to these properties not coming in, when it comes to the multiverse, as we had just mentioned. Um, I'm of the belief that after this whole Thanos arc, the next one is if it's not that whole spy thing that they keep talking about with Ben Mendelsohn being able to switch faces, which yeah. you know they introduced. It can definitely be uh, the X-Men being the last big thing that they introduce. Um, they've also have said, a lot of people have noted, excuse me, they have nothing about Fantastic Four. Yeah, they Marvel is keeping a uh, tight lip. Yeah, uh, nothing about Fantastic Four. The next Marvel project on the release calendar is set for May 2020. What's it called? It's still untitled. Untitled, that's interesting. That's really, that's really interesting. Mm, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so make sure to leave us a question in the YouTube comments or by emailing us intercutpod at gmail.com to get it featured on the next show. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Our handle is at intercutpod on all three. Intercut P-O-D. That's short for podcast. Be an inner cutie and send your movie, TV, and entertainment questions our way. We move on to our topic of the week. And for the second week in a row, it's watching the throne. Hey, you know uh, what? Week, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. What, this week, we picked up after the long night and saw the show turn its attention south uh, from the Great War to the Last War. 
and from the now deceased Night King to the still breathing Cersei Lannister. There were celebrations, drunken marriage proposals, and long awaited hookups. And then there was strategizing, secret divulging, and the beginnings of a battle, but all anybody wanted to talk about was a plastic cup of coffee. <sighs> Yay or nay? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it more than The Long Night? The episode. Um, I did. Uh, I didn't hate the episode first time I watched it. Yeah, you know what? I, I will say yes because I think some of the things that I love most about Game of Thrones are uh, the kind of quieter moments when in between uh, big, big moments. I, I liked the first half of that episode I thought was very good mm -hmm. in the whole people getting together and drinking uh, the hound and the hound talking to people and uh, it, I don't know. The drinking game was was great to me. I think that's the classic Thrones when mm. you bring unexpected characters together and and see the way that their personalities clash up against each other. So I really enjoyed the first half of the episode. Uh, as it progressed, there were just plot things that bothered me. Hit him uh, up. Hit him up. What's up? Yeah, I mean, so you know. I I'll give you the first one, and you can come up with the next one uh, right off sure. the bat. One that I had missed completely. Uh, how do you mess up Gendry's name? <laughs> yeah, that was something that a lot of people have been talking about, that uh, they have they changed Gendry's last He's name. He's supposed to be Waters, and they called him Rivers instead. And Yeah. See, now again, there is, because people always have this conversation, what's the difference between a plot hole and like legitimately bad writing? People, We always say this, too. There's a difference between bad writing and then not liking a character, right? Like, the right. actions Daenerys has done so far, I'm looking at it as, like, I hate how they wrote her. But it's not really bad writing. It's just I hate that this character has taken this turn. Some would right. argue it's bad writing. I'm just looking at woman's got a, woman's going through a slump, and a pretty big slump for the last two seasons. Yeah. When it comes to something like the name of an actual character, and it came from his mouth, too. That's the part that gets me. Like the guy yeah. who would know. Like Zach, when I, have I'm, you ever said your last name wrong? I'm always surprised on ma major shows like this <sighs> that they don't just have someone in the room who's like a show expert, a uh, script like, supervisor. You'd you'd think that that's her job, but like get Joanna Robinson or somebody in there, like somebody who really knows everything about Thrones, so that you're not accidentally breaking your own show's lore. Yeah. Uh, uh, for people who aren't necessarily paying attention to things like the switching up of last names. I think where it gets a little bit frustrating is when you have stuff like uh, the, the, the hastiness in which they move from Winterfell to King's Landing and get ambushed uh, by this, this Golden Company uh, army. The, the attack on Rhaegal. Right uh, behind a rock. Which yeah, in the like sky you would have when seen. When dragons have been so hard to kill and, and such a big weapon for eight seasons of the show and suddenly they're Just easily taking like that. That down. Which is fine. And, and I keep saying it's The Walking Dead and the final season of How I Met Your Mother, which of course people go, oh, there's nothing wrong with Rhaegar dying. And the way he died makes sense in terms of Quigen or Qui what's his name? Kyburn. Kyburn. He, Quigan, Qu wrong franchise. Uh, he created that thing in season seven, remember? Big crossbow. The cr big crossbow. It's not hard to believe that he's created more as he said he was going to. They all own one. They made a lot. So it would kill him. Problem here is 
25 different things. One, that means he has had time to one, blueprints, then finding the materials, then making them, testing them, distributing them. Where's Circe's bump? They're traveling yeah, from another a place thing to people... another place. Like you get, there's, 10 Chlorophyll Lane had their nails. You know this, I think, if you've heard it from me. Their nails yeah. were grown to a specific length or trimmed to keep up with the continuity under a bunker. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Game of Thrones, <laughs> yeah, it... you know people are looking at you. That's why when you were saying that thing, it's like, oh, it may not be a big deal to other people, but it's like the people making the show knows what sells. Don't be selling these books with lineage and then go like, well, I don't see why you guys cared about that. You sold shirts with the map. Right. It's a show where the details are integral to the story, and it seems like they're forgetting a lot of the details. You know, I think people have talked a lot about how both last season and this season of Thrones felt rushed mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And in one of the ways in which it really does feel rushed, I think, is in the shortcuts they take with stuff like Cersei. Things. Had, had you know, they given Cer Cersei a full pregnancy belly or maybe even had her give birth to this baby it would have shown that there's been time passing or that these lying. things take take some time to get to to generate yeah. that this whole like let's get together and destroy the zombie army wasn't just done in one afternoon mm -hmm. in ways that just feel <laughs> yeah, authentic to the pace of the show yeah. that uh, up until this point uh you know so it's stuff like that and it's stuff like when the ship is uh, sunk or whatever you have, have you, and everybody from that ship seems Makes to it. wash up on the same shore. Except, except for Missandei. Uh, it's just, it's laziness or it's convenience, but it's just not the, it's not the cleverness. But you're also disrespecting characters. Yeah. Because then you're, you're saying Grey Worm. No, I'm not going back to shore. If I'm on a ship with Alina and we crash, yeah. I'm not going back to shore until I have her with me. You are completely and utterly destroying the character of Grey Worm who swam back to shore without the love of his life. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those those movie tropes that doesn't exist in real life where you uh, faint and fall out of a crashing ship and you wake up on the shore. Like, I don't think they even, to me, it seems like they didn't even think, oh, I had to journey from the middle of the ocean to shore. Mm -hmm. They're just skipping that part. They're just skipping that. And, and that, yeah, and that's what, that's what really uh. gets me about a lot of this stuff is that they're skipping a lot of the interesting stuff. I would have loved to have seen Sansa and Arya react to Jon telling them the secret, but they're just skipping over some of that stuff. Uh, th there was a lack of developing the the long-awaited Jamie Brienne moments, and, and they kind of just leave. They kind of break up on a quick note. I want to see more of that relationship develop. Yeah. I don't want it to be just cast aside as a C plot. And you left her as a blubbering buffoon, <laughs> Brienne, Sir Brienne of Tarth. Come on, yeah, come on. Here's the thing, and I want you to hit him with your theory. Because Zach's got a crazy theory. And we have some other things that I think we'll mention of uh, people who are uh, very highly credited, I would say, who have been saying some stuff, <laughs> uh, some inside sources that they have that lead to Zach's theory. But I agree with you. I think a lot of stuff have been stripped. I want to give a shout out to um, Impression Blend, our, our friend Mariana. She's huge into Game of Thrones. Uh, I was going to give a shout out to Elemi as well. The way she covers the show. Uh, and we disagreed with, with, with uh, Battle of Winterfell. 
Mm-hmm. She liked it way more than I did. Uh, I'm I, I'm very curious what she thinks about the new episodes because she stopped tweeting about them. But if you see her videos, I love how she talks about Game of Thrones. And you have a bunch of these people who talk about Game of Thrones like this. They, they're they like villagers in Game of Thrones. Like they get yeah. so invested. And that's like the best part of uh, when it comes to like hearing about these things. She gave a great criticism about that. What you just said about John saying, tell them. And then it just cuts. She had compiled for episodes one and two talking about that's not the first time hey bran says Tyrion. Mm. let me know we don't have enough time i think we do cut away she noted that there have been a lot there's been a lot of that this season so what, what i'm talking about is it's not just the battle of winterfell and the big reveal of like Arya killing him it's everything else that comes into play to it that some people don't realize yeah you do realize if you watch season one of game of thrones it's so bright and I'm not making a long night joke. I'm, I'm saying, like, it does not look as cinematic at all. Yeah. Money yeah, and the show production gets better. Yeah, it, it upped its quality. Along with that, so do scripts. Along with that, so does the directing and the way things are shot. Part of that is that for the first six seasons, as and I'm watching them right now. A lot of people like to use that. Oh, well, I tell you to go back to watch. You know, when someone says, like, uh, get up, that's my chair. No, it's mine. Is your name on it? In fact, it is. If you go back and watch the original first six, I, I, I call them six, they weren't doing stuff like that. So when Mariana had said that and she was like, they literally are doing this weird thing where they start a conversation, then cut it. That in its DNA has not been the storytelling of the show of Game of Thrones. Some right. people haven't realized that because, you know, some people watch things and they realize, I don't know why I don't like this that much. Let me break it down for you. Have you noticed that the conversations are ending right when they should be beginning? They're ending <laughs> conversations at climaxes. Yeah, and that's not something that uh, is traditional on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I feel like as we go along, uh, and I'm going to reference a show you and I both love, but I'm getting more and more lost vibes in the sense that it, it, Game of Thrones, do like at that. this point, it feels like it's They're... it's just struggling to bring everything together Making it succinctly. up along the way? Yeah, like you, you, when you set up so much stuff and people yeah. get so invested in yeah. stuff, it just inevitably is not going to resolve in as satisfying a, as a way it's gonna as be it was bad. brought up. It's going to be bad. I agree with you because Lost ended to me at season five. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Uh, no, And I want you to lead to your theory in this, but I had told you and I had messaged you guys things like Daenerys or uh, what's her name? Real life? Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. Getting asked, what do you think of your character? Did I send you that video? What do you think uh, about yeah. how your character was? Per- uh, last time I saw that. His name was Mark Hamill, talking about The Last Jedi. Did you see uh, Natalie Emanuel's What'd she say? retweet? Uh, so Ava DuVernay tweeted something about, oh, you're going to do the only woman of color on the show like that? And Natalie retweeted it. I like him. I'm liking the entire cast right now. Did you read the thing about Kit Harrington? Uh, no. He cried when he finally took off everything. He said that he felt bound to this role. He has been yeah, this character for done. so long. He looked back at his wedding pictures and all he saw was Jon Snow because he had to keep that same. Dude, I was like, done. He said he he was excited to take it off. He also yeah. might have said something. He said, um, Tyrion, you know, he finished his shooting and then I decided to stay for the rest of the set. I was like, what? what? He was done with it. Emilia Clarke. Yeah, and, not like I, how it and went. I think that's that one retweet. of the... It's crazy, dude. I think that's one of the things that ultimately is is kind of 
the problem uh, when we get to the last couple of episodes of Game of Thrones is that the see the way that the show was laid out, it probably needed another two or three seasons to resolve everything. Yes, but yes, be- whether it's the the exploding budgets or the lack of interest from key players from Benioff and Weiss, hand it to off cast, to someone else. Okay, it's so too late. Benioff and Weiss know this one hundred percent. This is. They said in the interview with one of the late night guys, as soon as the show ends, they are leaving. Like, like right. right on the last day, they will be gone to an uh, undisclosed location with their entire family, and they're not coming back till it's done. I made the joke, well, uh, well, it's done at nine thirty, but they're not coming back till it's done. AKA, they are fully aware where everyone is going to be mad. They are leaving. There are yeah. stuff coming out about who's going to be on the Iron Throne that are supposedly official leaks. My friend, it is bad. It is terrible. Yeah. It is horrendous. And you know that I read up on the leaks for Endgame, and that just made me more mm-hmm. hype. Ugh, these, these, they better not be true, but they're hiding. Film Crit Hulk, shout out Film Crit Hulk. I have no idea who that guy is because he just goes by his uh, alias of Film Crit Hulk. Pseudonym. Fantastic writer, always writes like 5,000 words. Some would say it's word vomit. I would say it all makes sense by the the time you finish reading it. I think he's a fantastic journalist. Um, He somehow says he's got an inside scoop of what's been going on. I shared it to the group chat yesterday. He said if only he could tell you guys the stuff that he knows behind the scenes. I've said too much. He just left everyone like that. Someone makes a guess saying that it has a lot to do with the uh, merger that happened with AT&T. Some of you, this is the first time you're hearing it, but it's not the first time that you've noticed it. Because some of you are going to be going, holy smokes, that's right. I keep seeing AT&T whoring out Westworld and, and and Game of Thrones. Yes, I've noticed that too. Almost to a disgusting effect. <laughs> Saying that the merger there is to blame, but also the fact that maybe the big head honcho himself has no idea how it was supposed to end. He wasn't ready for it. And George just told D&D, uh, here's what I'm thinking, come up with something, and D&D just couldn't. That is not their strong suit. Same way I'll admit it to you, big fan of Lost. The two writers on that, the two creators there, not JJ, but the uh, the other two, I'm blanking Hughes on them. and Lindelof. Maybe not the best. Some of y'all seen Prometheus, some of y'all seen their other stuff. Um, and he retweets that and goes, know that it's that and probably 10 times worse. Zach, what's your theory? Okay, well, I will preface this by being, it's just a wild theory that it's not based in reality and that it's, it's based in probably Westeros. not true or illegal. So, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Throw it out there because anyway. why a not? There's in Game of Thrones season episode four. So, you know. Benioff and Weiss uh, recently signed that big deal to helm their own Star Wars trilogy, a uh, movie trilogy, making the jump from TV. Not just the jump from TV, but like the jump to blockbuster filmmaking. Yep. And being given the keys to one of the most sought-after lucrative franchises. Given three keys. In entertainment. Uh, I, I'm I'm loosely speculating that part of that agreement was to not try so hard on the last season or two of Game of Thrones and and maybe diminish HBO's prestige ahead of the launch of Disney Plus. It's convenient. It, it's a it's a it sounds like a good conspiracy theory to me. It does. I don't know. Hey, let me add to this. So you um. I think I had said it on the podcast. I had said that the leak for Endgame was very convenient. Yeah. Remember what mm-hmm. I said? I said I was like, 
hey, I read an article that literally claimed Disney is so big, they will be leaking fake leaks that are orchestrated by them. I saw the leaks. What did I tell you guys? I said, this feels like the spoiler trailer. You know, sometimes you see a trailer and you're like, I can't believe they spoiled that. Avengers Assemble, Hulk with the thing, everyone like coming back type of thing. I was like, yo, those are like pretty... That sounds like the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer. That sounds like a lot of, excuse me, superhero trailers that do tend to spoil a lot, but they're like, oh, we promise you there's more. And then people argue, oh, I wish that would have been saved, yada, yada. Spider-Man, for example. I wish you would have saved the multiverse thing for the movie. Right. Different things like that. The more that I thought about it and I said, this does feel like a trailer. So it's almost like they leaked it and pretended to be like, oh my gosh, it's getting leaked to build hype. When I really, after seeing the movie, looked back at it, how convenient, Zach, that you have the movie, right? The entirety of the movie and you cut between four. You conveniently left out Black Widow's death. And I don't know, Zach, maybe the biggest one of them all. Iron Man dying. Are we still saying that Disney didn't leak that? Why would the person who's trying to leak it and hurt Disney right. not leak the not, biggest parts of the movie, but instead right. everything else, which I said would have perfectly been, if it was an HD, a spoiler trailer? It's a question worth asking. It is a question uh, worth asking. Before so is yours. we wrap up our Game of Thrones talk, though, I do want to talk to you a bit about episode five. There have been a lot of people promising that this is going to be a big one, possibly bigger than episode three. Uh, More it's aggravated. the penultimate episode. Game of Thrones does have a tradition of having some of its biggest twists happen in the penultimate episode yes. to the season. Uh, so what what are your expectations going into the last episode, or last two episodes, well, rather? Well, I agree with you. I think they're going to go so off the deep end. It's just going to be so crazy. None of it is going to make sense. I have my theories, which I'm going to get to, but um, maybe you are correct. If HBO tanks, as you were saying, people are not going to watch HBO when the biggest show they have on the platform just horribly fails. Can you think of another right. show that has tanked this bad? I don't even think The Sopranos, with their surprise ending, just cut to black, did this. Yeah. Your I mean, point? to me, de- there's no greater dip in quality between Dexter season one and the last season. But I agree with you. I didn't get that far, but I've heard the same things, that it's just a completely different series. But, I mean... But this is, you know, you don't want to be on that trajectory. Yeah. And, you know, there have been a lot of It would make sense, about- though. Disney Plus is coming out. It would definitely be in their best interest if HBO wasn't a contender against Disney Plus. But I also feel they don't need that. So I'm just really confused as to why they're making some of these decisions. Uh, we do know Cersei's going. Yeah. Problem is, I don't feel it's going to be as satisfying. I am okay with that Arya twist. Mm-hmm. I'm upset with her jumping from the half point line. <laughs> we all know Cersei's going to die. What I'm upset at is that it's not going to be satisfying. What I'm upset at is that John's final big moment is not going to be satisfying. What I'm upset at is that Danny was supposed to be this big revolutionary character who's supposed to make a difference. Do you remember in season six when she said, I'm going to break the wheel? Right. One season later, you better bow the knee. Yeah, exactly. And and it's just... You said that. It's ultimately... I I think that when you build up so many different characters and you set up so many different expectations, you know, just thinking about it like this, uh, there is the Valencar prophecy that a lot of people talk about, which people alternately believe that either Tyrion or Jamie will kill Cersei. So there's a large section of the fan base that will be disappointed if either Tyrion or Cersei doesn't kill, uh, uh, Tyrion or Jamie doesn't kill Cersei. But Cersei is also on Arya's kill list. So there's another section of the fan base that'll be upset if she's not killed by Arya. 
and then there's that whole myth, that idea that you'll be usurped by a younger, more beautiful queen. So there's people who are wanting Danny to kill her. And I just think when you you set up so much, you end up disappointing people because you haven't necessarily cle- honed in on your vision. Are you blaming George? I'm not blaming George because I think George has done a pretty good job, uh, or at least in the stuff that I know. I haven't read the books. Of, of explaining why things are, are there. Either people are lured in by false prophecies or they believe their own hype because of it. Uh, I feel like he has maybe more in mind to give characters a fitting end. But given how, how little time we have, how... How know, I Met Your Mother... How two episodes are left? How I, I ten years I in the finale? How satisfying? Yeah. No, I agree with you. What do you hope to see? Because I know something, so I really don't want to say my theories because they might be mm-hmm. true. Because I read some of what should be spoilers. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, I I hope that Danny doesn't go full Mad Queen. I think she I does. Think do you remember her vision of the, yeah. the thing? I think Drogon destroys everything. I think those are ashes. And it's that's, not snow. And if you're asking me, that's what my prediction. It, what, what my prediction is, it would be that. But I, I think if she would fully snap and fully turn into like her father, that wouldn't be satisfying to me. All right. And after all the hype they've built into Danny and all the stuff, all the promise she had, it would just feel wrong. Do you remember that theory saying that Bran was going to pull another Hordor, but it's going to be with Danny going super crazy? He's trying to stop her, and instead yeah. he travels back in time. She's saying burn them all to Drogon. That messes up um, Ares. He yeah. goes crazy like Hodor. Starts saying, burn them all. Uh, there is an interview. I just want to say this so it's out there just in case it does happen. Um, <laughs> this isn't a part of the leaks that I've read. But there's a big theory out there. Multiple people have had it, so I'm not claiming it. But Jamie, I forget, Nicola, however you pronounce hyphen, whatever, yeah. He said on Kimmel. He feels the entire show revolves around the initial push in episode one, which is what it ends on. Which, if that's the case, I will always bring back my case that it also starts with the Night King and that just went away. But, yeah, okay, sure. The ending of the pilot episode, let's forget about the beginning. There's a theory that he's somehow going to go back in time, find a way to avoid that, and that changes the entirety of the show. The time travel aspect coming into play. Yeah. Some people I have said. I don't know if that'd be satisfying. Some people have said that they have seen how it all ends, and they said there's going to be a lot of end game comparisons. Hmm. Those could also be lies. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, what is dead may never die, but there are only two episodes Bro, left. Bro, the dawn came. Remember what we used to say? It's when the dawn co- that when the light comes. That came. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we're close to sailing, sailing out uh, from What's the next Stone one? Hey, what do you think the next one's going to be? Let's talk about that before we wrap up here. What's the next one? So there is this argument out there that the end of Game of Thrones is like the end of monoculture. Why? Who's, who's saying this? That makes no sense. If anything, I see it becoming bigger. Like they're saying that about Game of Thrones while Endgame is going on. Right. Right. I, yeah, I don't see it that way. But I don't know if I see any shows that are currently on TV kind of 
Let them taking build. the mantle of Thrones. I don't think it's going to be like Westworld or anything like that. Westworld Maybe it's that Game of Thrones prequel. Maybe it's the Lord of the Rings prequel. Barry? I don't know. High maintenance? <laughs> you imagine the lore in high that, maintenance? That's that sounds like a world I want to live in. Yeah, I but... can I can see Looper making forty seven videos on high maintenance. Do you remember this character? She was in the taxi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how we'll about see. you? Uh, any, any predictions? I think it's gonna be something that we've yet to see. I think a lot of yeah. franchises. I'm again. I said this last week. I'm really banking on independent films. I I think once we get rid of that stigma that sequels are bad, no. They can be original properties, and I think you had mentioned one that was perfect. We're so used to it being Iron Man 1, 2, 3. No. Before Sunrise, before Midnight, all those are incredible films that they even said no one's going to know, right? Because that's one of the biggest things. No one's going to know that this is a sequel. You know people had problems knowing Analyze This and Analyze That were sequels? (laughs) Right. I get it. Audiences are dumb, and one of the big things with sequels is the property management. But is that not better? Let's say no one connects it, that the Before Midnight's were sequels to each other. Wouldn't you still be pitching it as an original property? Right. Right? Like, so aren't you still in this? movies is they kind of work on their own, too. Exactly. So I'm waiting for, not. I don't even, we don't have to call it universes, but these prolonged emotional stories when independent right. filmmakers start doing that. I don't think it's bad for there to be a sequel to um, Get Out or A Moonlight, especially if you're renaming them. And we've gotten that already. Split, Glass, Unbreakable. Right. We may not. It may not be that quality for the other these other things, but we're gonna look back on that when that big independent movie, when Barry Jenkins makes his cinematic universe. We're not gonna call it cinematic universes because there's so much stigma there. We're gonna mm-hmm. go back and see how like you can name things differently, and it'll be a big impact when those worlds combine. It's it's just a longer story. That's all it is. It's a ten hour movie split into different things. Well, speaking of Barry Jenkins, he's got that uh, Underground Railroad thing coming out. Actually, just the, uh, for Amazon, he's got an Underground Railroad show. Okay. And actually, just occurred to me, I could see Watchmen, the new new Watchmen for HBO, being a big show. It ha- doesn't have the blessing. That's big. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to move on to our final segment of the week, the new to see, where we break down what's new in theaters to streaming and VOD, starting with new in theaters, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, everybody's favorite movie. Uh, cinema is officially over. We, sure. we have Detective Pikachu. <laughs> It's over. No more movies after this. Yeah. Also, The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. I didn't realize this is a Dirty Rotten Scoundrels remake. Oh, officially. I think so. Interesting. I just thought it was the same movie that comes out every year. (laughs) Uh, Not a lot of hype around this one. Not a lot of marketing push behind it. Yeah. And even the stuff that you do see, it's like literally you find something else to do while the trailer is going on. It's weird. (laughs) Uh, Also coming out in theaters, All is True, Palms. Tolkien, mm-hmm. The Biggest <laughs> Little Farm, My Son, and Charlie Says. Okay. Any of those movies jump out to you? Just Tolkien with people saying that, hey, how about we we focus on what we do like and not him getting a girl? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this guy did something really interesting. Let's focus on all the uninteresting parts about him. Yep. Uh, I want to see Charlie Says. I think it's a Charles Manson movie. Uh, it got it was at Tribeca, but I missed it. How many so I'll, Manson I'll be looking for that. Dude? Yeah, there's a lot of them. New to streaming on Netflix, May 9th, Insidious, a great modern horror film. Then on May 10th, Easy, Season 3, the final season of the Joe Swanberg show that you and I love. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get a glimpse, 
back into these people's lives. It, it, he's got this goodbye. really great low key energy. Uh, you and I, you and I are big fans of Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pose also will get, be on Netflix. The Have you seen first it? Season. I haven't. So I'm okay, looking good. forward That's to really catching good. up with him now that it's on Netflix. Great things. Same. That's one of the ones that when you're searching up different top tens, through line. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. The Society, a new Netflix original series, and Wine Country, the Amy Poehler-directed feature, also make their way to Netflix on the 10th. Sick. May 12th, Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj returns. And then on HBO Go, May 11th, Night School, and the live show of My Dad Wrote a Porno. Have you heard about this? Your dad did what? (laughs) This is based on a podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Uh, This comedian found a pornographic novel that his father had written like 20 something years ago and does like dramatic readings of it. Now they're getting an HBO special out of it. It's apparently very funny. On May 12th on HBO go as well as HBO, the season eight episode five game of Thrones, big, uh, big, big night for, Oh, that's coming out this weekend. Yeah. It's this weekend. Oh, this Sunday. Yeah. It's Sunday. Whoa. I got to put that on my calendar. Yeah, just make sure you remember that. I'm so glad uh, we have the this. Series, also, the series finale of Veep. Never saw Veep. I've seen I've seen episodes here and there, but I've, I've always meant to catch up more with it. Well, I've according to the things. Emmys. It's the best comedy of all time. If so that's we'll not solidifying that all you need is friends to win awards, I don't know what else does. <laughs> I don't know what else does. Yeah. Uh, but between Game of Thrones and Veep will be the show I care about. That's Barry. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 12th, What's My Name, Muhammad Ali, a two-part documentary, also makes its way to HBO. On Hulu, May 12th, the complete second season of Claws, the TNT show uh, about a salon that dabbles in some crime. I have and then Prime that. Video on May 10th, the uh, season three premiere of Sneaky Pete. On VOD, May 10th, A Haunting at Silver Falls 2, and The Professor and the Madman. Then on May 14th, Happy Death Day to You, Fighting with My Family, and Apollo 11. Three movies I know you've seen of those. Would you recommend any? Uh, So if you're looking for just very beautiful images, not that much talking, more so B-roll of the day, Apollo 11. If you're looking for an actually decent family-friendly film that's... Pretty lively. Uh, Fighting with my family. What was the first one? Happy Death Day to you. It's not as good as the first. Go watch the first one instead. Or Russian Doll. That is is what's new to see. Art, what is your pick for the week? That to me me is the best series out there. I'm a huge Linda Cardellini fan. This is probably one of her best performances of all time. But Christina Applegate. Zach, just watch the show. Cause why do I, I make explain videos? Cause I don't want to talk about a show without spoiling it. I'm gonna tell you everything. Watch this show. Watch the first episode up to the end. You're gonna love it. Yeah. Then watch binge the entirety of the series. Go. That was crazy. Then watch the whole series again and notice how it is the best acting of 2019. Very cool. I I'm very excited to watch Dead to Me. I think I'll actually get to it this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping you get to a little bit more Tuca and Birdie. That's my pick for yeah, the week. Yeah. I'm gonna finish that one. It's like we were talking about at the top. It's a delightful show. Mm-hmm. There's re, there's rewatch value in all the hidden gags. I, I just, 
Love the show's visuals. Lisa Hanwalt is a very fun artist. So it, it's a show that you could kind of even watch on mute and enjoy, oddly. But uh, don't watch it on mute. There's a lot of funny jokes in there, too. But that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, at ZShevich, or on Instagram and Letterboxd, also at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V for Vendetta, I-C-H. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplexshowart. Where can people find more from you? Right here. Nowhere else. Don't go anywhere else for the Intercut Podcast. Tweet at us at the Intercut Podcast. That's what it is, right? Intercut Pod? Intercut Pod. Pod stands for podcast. Pod stands It's short for podcast. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have new episodes here every week and very soon. Some of you have seen it. This one wasn't, but we do have we have been doing some live streams over on Let Me Explain, which is an extra Absolutely. channel we have on the side. Uh, we're live streaming them there because it's. I think it's really cool being able to have that discussion going on, especially when we have new guests. Uh, but yeah, you can catch us here on the Intercut Podcast. A lot of bigger things, a lot of bigger segments that we have going on, especially as we start expanding. So follow us. Yeah. Watch us all here on Intercut. Yeah, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new inter- episodes of Intercut every week, and please leave a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star, five-star review, and like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, all of them are at IntercutPod, to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all of our guests here on the Intercut Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, Dracaris. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs>